This is Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national and international stories, focusing on journalism and communication issues, news and politics. Now, the latest edition of Update One. With the 2020 election campaign underway in earnest, on this edition of Update One, we talk with Larry Barrett, a veteran journalist who's covered campaigns and elections and the White House in a long career with Time Magazine, and before that, the New York Herald Tribune. And that includes covering the previous efforts of former Vice President Joe Biden to run for president. I'm Irv Chapman, a longtime member of the National Press Club. Larry, we had 20-plus Democrats seeking the nomination this year. Four years ago, there were some 17 Republicans. In previous election years, there were maybe one-third that number, sometimes referred to as the front-runner and the seven dwarfs. We want to look back to the short-lived Biden campaign in 1988. But first, what do you think caused the recent candidate proliferation? No obvious front-runner, so a lot of Politicians figured they could take a crack at it, see what happens. Lightning could strike. And the fact that Trump has been perceived, at least, as vulnerable, uh, whether that holds out remains to be seen. But those two factors, no obvious front runner, Trump vulnerable. I guess there's a third factor as well, and that is it's much easier these days for an individual to have a few moments in the sun Uh, and perhaps enhance that person's future prospects, particularly if they're still on the younger side. For someone like Sanders, of course, this is the absolute last shot. Well, also the fact that they can uh, make some headway on the Internet uh, and get a fan base going. Yes, and maybe raise money for other causes or promote themselves for cabinet positions should a Democrat win. Uh, Lots of motivations going on. You wrote when Biden threw his hat into the ring three decades ago that Biden's mouth is both his greatest asset and his greatest liability. You might have written that a few weeks ago when Biden boasted that he could team up with Dixiecrats when he had to. So is that an equally apt description then and now? I think a little less so now because his mouth is no longer that great an asset. Uh, Age has slowed him down in more ways than one. And even when he delivers a very effective speech, as he did the day that Trump went to El Paso and Dayton. He stumbled a little bit here and there. He had to correct himself, parenthetically. Uh, How that will wear between now and Election Day next year, difficult to tell. But his mouth is no, he's no longer that eloquent. Well, Biden was back then in his youthful prime and looked like a potential winner, but he was done in by accusations of Plagiarism, what was that about? That was the final blow, the uh, Neil Kinnock plagiarism, Kinnock being a British politician, and uh, the Dukakis campaign put out the so-called attack video comparing Kinnock's statements to statements in some of Biden's speeches in which he did not credit Kinnock, although he did in earlier speeches. But Biden was already having some difficulties Uh, A number of us who covered that campaign and a couple of the authors who wrote books about it later uh, said that Biden did not quite figure out why he was running. Now, that wasn't as stark, say, as Ted Kennedy 
uh, when he challenged Jimmy Carter in 1980, being unable to answer Roger Mudd's question about why are you running? But Biden seemed to be running more because he was Biden, youthful, vigorous. And uh, Gary Hart had already imploded because of the Donald Rice scandal. But he did not find a good rationale for himself, for his candidacy. Today, that's dramatically different. Unlike, say, Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, who have their causes, income inequality, Medicare for all, Biden puts himself forward as the one best suited to defeat Trump. And in saying that this is a battle for the soul of the nation, which he did again uh, when he gave a good speech the day that uh, Trump was visiting Dayton and El Paso, he is much more focused on his role in the present drama. Well, what seemed to be his uh, principal strengths as a candidate back then and now? And he seems to be more than the others attacking Trump directly. Yes, more than some of the others, although he holds back, you notice, from directly calling Trump a racist, whereas Booker and a couple of the others are doing so. This is another one, I think, of Biden's potential strength in a general election. In an interview he gave shortly after the shootings in El Paso and uh, Dayton, he came out for a variety of common sense gun control measures, but he kept emphasizing he wants reasonable measures, reasonable and possibly achievable. Whereas several of his competitors talking about licensing all guns universally uh, and other uh, potential measures, gun control measures, seem to be unreasonable. So after a period when we've had a president surrounded by turmoil and severe controversy, I think Biden positions himself as the calming influence, as someone who can restore civility to some extent, uh, and that may be his strongest card going forward. You mentioned Senator Gary Hart, who was forced from the race when he was caught, as you said, vacationing with a woman, not his wife. That didn't used to be a disqualification, and it didn't seem to be one in 2016. Uh, Is Trump going to be hurt by what's come out even since 2016 about him and women? I think he won't be hurt with his base. That word keeps on coming up. White evangelicals who have supported Trump appear to be separating the sin from the sinner. And because of his Supreme Court appointments and other federal court appointments, they seem to forgive him for that. Where that does hurt him is among middle of the road people, particularly women, particularly educated women. And if the Democrats keep, if the Democrats start to drum back on Stormy Daniels and that sort of thing, uh, that could keep Trump from making any progress at all in the famous suburbs that could be very important in the general election. The Republican candidate back in 1988 was George H.W. Bush, who would succeed the ultra-popular Ronald Reagan. Bush was not above adopting Richard Nixon's so-called Southern strategy, law and order, tough on crime, with a television commercial focused on an African-American criminal. We seem to be going down that path full steam ahead in 2019. Much more so now, I think, than then. 
again, Biden going into 88, one of his presumed assets was that he was tougher on crime than some of the other Democrats. In fact, he had a pollster, Pat Cadell, who was considered one of the best in the business back then, who had a theory of the case, so to speak, projecting Biden as more masculine than the other Democrats and writing a paper, which I happened to get a copy of and write up in Time magazine, saying that the Democrats generally were conceived of as too feminine and Biden would be an antidote for that. Well, that didn't, that didn't save Biden from the, his other problems. But back then, that was a sort of a subtext. Now it seems to be the text text for a lot of the Republicans. Well, Biden uh, was uh, important in the Supreme Court hearings, first of Robert Bork and then of Anita Hill. Uh, is the latter going to come back to haunt him? I think the Anita Hill matter is pretty much settled. Anita Hill herself has said recently that she would definitely support Biden in the general election. She was not too happy with his lack of an apology exactly, although he has implied that he realizes he could have done better in the Clarence Thomas hearings. And of course, the Bork hearings really came too late uh, for Biden's prospects in the 88 Democratic primary campaign. He did not excel at either of those, but he wasn't a total flop in the Bork situation. He does have difficulty then and now with certain types of confrontation. One of his difficulties then, back in 88, was not being able to handle very well hecklers, people who challenged his previous academic achievements. He lost his temper. And now he also does not do too well. Uh, he, did not too, he did not do well when uh, Senator Harris attacked him in the first Democratic debate. Maybe he can learn a little to handle those things better. Maybe not. Trump uh, is an unusual kind of uh, debater. You can bet that Biden or whoever is the candidate is going to spend a lot of time uh, working on debate tactics Democratic voters say they're principally looking for a nominee who can stand up to Trump in debate and trounce him on election day. Can a man Biden's age beat Trump? Can a woman, can an African-American, can a gay man or a man in his 30s, can a self-described revolutionary beat Trump? These are all very good questions, and I'm afraid we have to take, at least I have to take the Trump line of we'll see. I don't know. I think Biden's hope in the debates is to come across as a reasonable, stable, calm force and maybe bait Trump a little bit, try to make Trump fulminate a bit and hope that the country is tired of that sort of thing. How that will actually work out, that's why the debates will have very high ratings, I think. Well, how about the debates that uh, we've had so far among the 20 Democrats, have they had much of an impact? Will it last if that's the case? If you look at the polling numbers, which of course is still early for the polling, they appear not to have had a great deal of impact, except that the first round of debates elevated Senator Harris somewhat and maybe nicked Biden a little. The second round of debates, Biden sort of recovered. I think the consensus 
and I agree with this consensus, is that he was adequate. And I think the Democrats also are regretting that there was so much back and forth among themselves and so much circular firing squad moments. I think they will probably not do that in September. But what they will do, presumably, is show their differences uh, left, right, and center. That is, some of the uh, candidates who are well back in the pack uh, said loud and clear that if you, the nominee, uh, are for eliminating private health insurance, if you are for granting uh, free health care to undocumented immigrants, and in fact for decriminalizing crossing the border, that you will lose the election to Trump. Obviously, um, Biden is somewhere in, in, in the moderate wing, but is this controversy helping the Republicans to paint the Democrats, whoever they are, as uh, commies, socialists, what have you? I think there's that danger for the Democrats. And Sanders and Warren will not be deterred by that danger. Mayor Pete made the point in the second round of debates, I think, that <clears throat> whether the Democrats are moderate or more to the left, Republicans will still condemn them as socialists. In the several items you mentioned, I think the matter of ending or threatening private health insurance that millions of people have through employers is probably the biggest hazard for the Democrats. Biden has stopped well short of that. And Senator Harris seems to be ambivalent on it a little bit, trying to have it both ways. Warren and Sanders have their shtick, and they're going to continue with it. Income inequality, Medicare for all, a few other items. I don't think that's going to prevail in the primaries. I think, as things stand now, the somewhat more moderate or temperate stance on those questions may gain ground. Will the issue of whether Trump has kept his promises to the middle class and to workers to improve their status relative to the rich, will that be an issue of, uh, that will hurt Trump? I think so in the general election, depending how the economy goes. Right now, the stock market has been through a period of turmoil. The whole China tariff question is causing some grief out there. The right track, wrong track question, which is usually important for an incumbent, has been going against Trump. Right around the time of the Trump visits to Dayton and El Paso, three quite respectable polls all came out with findings that 58% of the electorate thinks that the country is on the wrong track. Considering that there is still general prosperity and low unemployment, that number should be quite intimidating for Republicans. Well, on this edition of Update One, we've been talking with veteran political journalist Larry Barrett. I'm Irv Chapman at the National Press Club in Washington. Thank you. Update One is a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Podcast Committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update One by sending an email to Update One Podcast. That's update the number one podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Update One. Update One.